Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 45. The account in the story here is of the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary to announce the birth or the coming birth of Jesus the Messiah. Now, I went onto Facebook a couple of days ago and I made a little bit of a cheeky comment about the song, Mary Did You Know? And I came into some stick for that. People thought I was being like deadly, like, I thought I was being a bit venomous. I wasn't, I was just being a bit daft, really. But I think it is true that she probably knew very little of what was about to take place. The angel Gabriel only gives us some very minimal information. And her grid, her understanding for what Messiah, even if she could understand that she was about to bring Messiah into the world, which I think there is enough information in what he said over the coming uh, season in her life to, to accept that that was the case, her idea of what Messiah would do was very different to what Jesus actually eventually ended up doing. She would have had this idea of this warrior king bringing people back under the law, getting rid of the Roman soldiers, establishing temple worship freely, bringing the nation back into that kind of Davidic life of worship. But what Jesus was going to do would be very different. Nevertheless, she's a young girl, we can assume probably a teenager at this time, and um, she was about to get quite a download of exciting information. So we'll read from verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement and wondering what kind of greeting this could be. I don't know if she had like a guilty conscience or something. I don't know what else she thought the angel was going to say to her, maybe tell her off or something. Verse 30, the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be, since I have not had sexual relationship with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me just as you have said. And then the angel left her. In those days Mary set out and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? 
For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. And I'm just going to emphasize that last verse again because it sums up the essence of what I'm trying to say today. Verse 45, blessed is she or he who has believed the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to them. Blessed are those who believe what the Lord has spoken to them. Now, it's not been that long since my wife was pregnant with Tobias a couple of years ago. He's three now, three and a little bit. But the same thing happens to every pregnant woman. You get about nine months of painful anticipation for what is about to happen. So Maisie, you are well into that season. Nathan is probably already reaping the consequences of all of the things that go on or need to go on as a man supports his wife through this delicate phase. Sarah's too, not, recently, uh, not too recently out of that season. Things are going on. But what's happening is, particularly for your first one, is there is along with the growing bump, growing anticipation of what is about to happen. It's as if God builds waiting into the anticipation of what he wants to fulfill, even in nature itself that there is anticipation and waiting involved before God does what he says he's going to do. Now the challenge to all of us is, are we going to be like Mary and be prepared to just wait patiently yet believing what God has said to us? Many people have received great prophetic words over their life. Maybe some of you in here this morning have got words that you have yet to see come to pass for your life. But if we're to take anything from the life of Mary, it's to understand that there comes a period of waiting and anticipation and faithfully believing the promises of the Lord even before those things have come to pass. Now in the context of the birth of Jesus who was coming through her womb, she had nine months to wait. It wasn't a, particular, uh, a particularly long period of time. But the fulfilment was going to take 30 years before she saw many of the things that had been spoken over her come to pass. The baby itself wouldn't be long away. But the promises and the fulfillment of what was said about that child were 30 years away. And sometimes when we've got just a short delay between promise and fulfillment, we can kind of get on with it and just distract ourselves and we can, we can just uh, find a way of just thinking about something else until that comes to pass. But imagine waiting 30 years for that word to come to pass. Now, I'm not very good with waiting. I'm not very good with just holding back. And It's coming up to Christmas. I bought my kids Christmas presents at the beginning of November. And since the beginning of November, I just wanted to give them the presents. Not because they're massively exciting presents. I just don't like waiting. I'd rather they have them now, but they have to wait. I'm like a big kid at Christmas. I won't get much. I'll probably get some socks and pants. So there won't be much for me to look forward to. But it's about the kids. You want them to have the stuff if you've got it prepared. But 30 years is a long time to wait. I would imagine somewhere in that 30 years, your mind would begin to wander, or you begin to doubt, and you begin to think whether something that had been spoken 30 years ago was ever going to come to pass. But I believe there are some things here in the narrative which we can take which we can apply to our lives, which will help us 
in whatever season that we are in of waiting. Because I believe there's going to be a lot of promises in people's lives this morning which are still in a period of preparation. Alan is more seasoned among us. But all of that wisdom, there will still be words to come to pass over your life. Sanat, fairly well seasoned as a man of God. But I believe there are things spoken over your life which are still yet to come to pass. And we have to be like the people in the scriptures that we see model to us the type of lives that we need to emulate in order to hold on to the word of God, to stay faithful to what God has spoken over us. Now, here is the first thing I would take from this narrative. So point one, Mary received the word even though it was beyond conventional wisdom. She received the word even though it was beyond conventional wisdom. Now, Mary wasn't ignorant to the challenges that were going to be in front of her to see that word come to pass. She wasn't deluded. She wasn't ignorant. She was young, but she wasn't foolish. She knew that when this word had been spoken over her, that there were going to be some challenges. One, she hadn't had intimacy with a man. That was the first challenge. But also she probably would have sensed the enormity of what was going on and thought, how am I, a young woman, going to see this come to pass? But despite the challenges that she recognised, she received it even though conventional wisdom told her that probably this was just a bit of a nuts vision that she had been given. There have been some things that God said over my life 15, 20 years ago. At the time I thought, this is nuts. I'm never going to do that. I'm not going to tell you what they are, I'm going to wait for them to come to pass, and then I'll tell you the full story. But there are some things that God sometimes tells us, and the first thing to do is to receive the word, even when conventional wisdom would tell you that it's impossible. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's, it's, God likes to give us stuff that we can't achieve by natural means. Because if we were to try and achieve it by natural means, we could always give ourselves the credit for the results. But in order for God to be credited with the results, he has to give us something to do that only he can achieve through us. So he likes to give us the impossible, because when we ask and believe for the impossible, God has to come through for us. So don't be surprised if God gives you a word that is greater than your ability to execute. That may be one of the hallmarks of it being authentically a word from the Lord, that it gives you a sense of expectation that only God could achieve this through you. And like Mary in that situation, we have to be prepared just to receive it and take those things by faith. The second thing is this. We have to stay in fellowship with people of like vision. The first thing that Mary did after she received the word to her was she went and spent some time with Elizabeth, who had also received a similar kind of word. She then got into this kind of community of faith, these two women who had had these uh, words spoken over their life, that they were with child, children of promise, and they hung out together. If Mary went to the wrong crowd, it's not to say that the word wouldn't have come to pass, but she might have felt less excited about it if she'd gone to people who didn't have that same kind of experience of faith. If she'd gone to some members of her family who had said to her, hey, I think you're just, you know, I think you'd have had the coffee pot a bit strong that day. I'm not so sure this is really what the Lord would have for you, a young girl. Who are you? It's not to say the word wouldn't have come to pass, but she might not have been excited about it. But when she went to Elizabeth's house 
Elizabeth was going through the same experience and was excited that they could both share in the anticipation of what was to come. So what you need to do is not only receive the word by faith, but make sure that you hang out with people with like vision. Because if you have, if you have your life surrounded by people with no vision, they won't be injecting any faith into your vision. So we need to find people in our circle, people in our lives, who are prepared to share in the excitement. The third thing is that you need to keep working on where that word is in your heart. Now, one of the ways I could have illustrated this uh, today, I was going to make a, a treasure chest and use that as an object lesson, and then I realised that that wasn't just beyond me in faith, that was just beyond me in every respect, so I didn't make one. They were too expensive to buy on eBay, I looked. So just imagine a treasure chest here. What we do in a treasure chest is that those things that are particularly valuable, you put them in the treasure chest. If it's not valuable, then you can leave it out and about because no one's going to steal it. But the expensive stuff, like a safe, you put that away because you want it to be protected. Well, it says this in, um, in uh, chapter 2, verse 19. We didn't read it in this passage, but it goes on to say, when Mary was receiving more words about what was going on and she meets Simeon, in the temple, it says, but Mary was treasuring up all of these things in her heart and she was meditating on them. So the stuff that she believed was from the Lord, she was storing in a safe place in her heart and visiting it to remind herself of what God has said. She was making sure that she gave attention to how she stored the promises and the words that God had spoken over her. She didn't just let it go in one ear and out the other like I do when I've been sent to the shops. If it's important information, she did her best to make sure that she stored the information deep in her heart. Because when stuff is in your heart, it will govern how you experience your life. One of the things I try to explain to people as a therapist is, if you want to understand your thinking, go and see what your thinking is saying about what you really want in your heart. Because your head is your puzzle solver to get to what the heart wants. Your head is your sort of strategy center to try and figure out a route to get what satisfies your heart. So your head will be meditating on what your heart wants. And your lips will also follow the direction of your head and your heart. You will find that if you want to understand your head, then you need to see what it's saying about what is lacking or present in your heart. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in your heart will determine where your head is at. So what Mary was doing here was sound, the, uh, sound psychologically, in that she was burying the, burying the truth of God in her heart, so that her head would be preoccupied with what was in her heart. If the truth of God was in her heart, then her head would be where her heart was. It would be thinking about that stuff. If she had been burying doubt and fear and confusion in her heart, that's where her head would have been. So as she buried the truth in her heart, that's where her mind would have been. It's like me if I'm hungry. All I can think about is McDonald's. It's my vice at the moment. I just, 
I'm leading a recovery group on a, on a Wednesday night, and normally you go to a recover, recovery group to talk about alcohol addiction or drug addiction. I felt prompted the other week, I thought, oh man, I have way too many McDonald's in a month. It's just something that happens in my mind. As soon as I'm hungry, it goes, mmm, McDonald's. How can I get one? How can I justify one? So your heart will try and figure out a solution to satisfy what the heart wants. So by burying that stuff in her heart, she gave her mind a chance to stay focused on the vision that God had given her. My challenge to you is therefore, what are you burying in your heart? When God says something to you, what do you do with that word? Do you treasure it? Do you store it like Mary did? Do you visit it regularly? I have prophetic words written down. And probably a few times a year, I get them out and I read them aloud to myself. It's as almost, almost as if I'm speaking the word over my, over my life again. I speak it out. And it's great sometimes, actually, if you've had the, the prophecy recorded on, a, on some sort of device, sit there and listen to it again. I had these words given to me by a couple called Ivan and Isabel Allen about 20 years ago. Paul, you'll remember the Allens. I think Ivan's gone to be with the Lord now, but Isabel is still out prophesying around the world. And back in, back in those days, 20 years ago, we didn't have digital recorders. We had audio cassettes. And so what, we, we recorded these prophecies that we would regularly sort of prophesy over one another on audio cassettes. And it became harder and harder after the years went by to find a, some sort of cassette player <laughs> to play the things on. And eventually I, 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 I kept this old cassette player, which was completely useless for any other reason other than for uh, allowing me to pray, pray those prophecies back. But it was so refreshing just to lie there on the floor with my eyes closed and listen to it getting spoken over your life again. It's nourishing your spirit. It's making sure that that word is tended to in your heart, that it's still deeply rooted, that it's still set in place, that it's still in a place of value in you. Because when the moment of testing comes and Mary was about to receive some testing, that she probably worried at times, but she wasn't crippled by worry because she knew what God had spoken over her. The fourth thing is this. Mary shows us that we can expect expectations for the word of the Lord. She received it by faith. She was with people of like vision. She stored and treasured it in her heart, but she, she had confirmations. We know that when she went to the temple to have Jesus um, circumcised, there was a confirmation by Simeon of what was coming. When the wise men, probably some years after Jesus' birth, visited the family, there was more confirmation coming through. And then there was a period of what we can tell from the scriptures of silence, where there was no real word coming through, but she'd already had the confirmation from God over several years that this is definitely what God was doing. So we can expect confirmations to come through. When I look back across my life at prophetic words God has spoken, it's great when you've got maybe 10 or 20 years of stuff because you can see themes repeating themselves over the years. I tend to just look for the themes where it talks about financial blessing. That's the ones that get me really excited. Oh gosh, Lord, you really do want to bless me with a BMW. In fact, I did once get a prophecy about a Mercedes and I still never had a Mercedes. So I remind the Lord of that from time to time. And the final thing is that after we can expect confirmations, 
We just have to be prepared to wait patiently for God to do what he said. One word that was spoken over me some years ago was, um, this person said, I, I, when I, they prayed over me, I see you like an oven that's full of cookies. Now I do like cookies. I am partial to a cookie. But I guess that they were speaking metaphorically. And they said, when you looked into the oven, it looked like the, the, the cookies were cooked. But when they opened the oven, you could see that the cookies were a little bit doughy. Like you could stick your finger in if you wouldn't burn yourself and kind of impress yourself on the cookie. And then they said, I saw the oven shut. And the interpretation of that was, things are cooking nicely, but don't eat the things until they're ready. And so when we receive a word from the Lord like Mary, we just have to wait for God's timing. And getting frustrated, getting anxious, while we're waiting for things to come to pass, it won't make it happen any quicker just because we're worried about it. Because God knows what he's doing. He sent Jesus into the world at the right time. Jesus will come back again at the right time. And when God says something over your life and my life, he's waiting for the right time. Ours is for the preparation and for the waiting, and God will deliver on his promises at the right time. We just have to be prepared to wait patiently for what the Lord is going to do. So those are some of the things I believe that this narrative and story about Mary offers to us through implication about how we can emulate some of her life. So my Final challenge to us uh, today, and we're going to pray with this, is what are those promises you're holding to God for for next year? I know at the end of a year it can be a bit of a cliche for a preacher to say, you know, what are you believing for, for the next year? But it's good to go into another year starting from a position of what you're believing God for rather than what you're just planning for circumstantially. We want to build our lives and our years on the promises of God. What is it that God has spoken over your life that you're still waiting to see fulfilled? Well, then you need to be praying about that. You need to be reminding yourself of that. You need to find other people who can be around you. And I'm, I'm, I'm privileged as at least one of these people in the room today, but there's three people who regularly pray for me. I'm amazed, really. You think, well, gosh, that much intercession, your sermon should be better. But when you've got people praying for you, it's an incredible thing to know people are speaking those promises before God on your behalf. It's an amazing thing that just builds your faith to know that people are beside you. But you don't need to wait for somebody to approach you to do that. You can seek somebody out and say, look, I'd love to pray for you. Would you pray for me? You seem to be a person of like mind and like heart. Let's intercede for one another. We have to... When we're going into every year, build our years on the basis of what has God said. Sometimes that challenges us to rethink what we're doing. Sometimes we might be on a career path or a ministry path that is not what God has said. In which case you need to evaluate what you're doing because life is too short to do anything other than what God wants you to do. When we're doing what God wants us to do, that is the most important thing. Jesus will one day ask, or, or hopefully say, 
you know, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, many of us understand the good bit, but the faithful bit is what's required of us in response to the word of God. The good bit is the, you know, are we living in line with God's moral standards? But the faithful bit is what have you done with what God said to you? We need to be people who are about the word of the Lord. Life is too short to not be doing the will of God. And many of us, we live our lives based on human planning. And that has its place. But ultimately, it's what has God said to you? And what are you doing about it? Let's pray. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.